So my name's Rob Hemming, and uh, the seminar that you've um, come to is called Christians in the Workplace, or um, I might call it the truth about our vocation, and um, so I suppose um, I'm kind of wanting to look at what does it look like to be a, a Christian in the workplace, um, what what are, what are some problems that we encounter as Christians in, in work, our workplaces? And, um, yeah, yeah what, what, should, what should it look like? Um, so, firstly, um, oh, is any, did anybody know? Did anyone here come to my seminar last year? Good, I can tell all my old jokes and no one knows. That's good. That's really good. <clears throat> Was it the same? It was about Christians in the workplace. It will be slightly different. Um, I, I've, I've sort of thought about what I said last year, and and um, and I've I've spoken from my experience, and I still will. But hopefully, you can kind of adapt that to whatever situation that you're in. Um, firstly, um, what is so? Yeah, I'm a um, I'm a farmer. Um, I started. Um, I think my first job was a jackaroo, working for my dad, and uh, and then after that I became an apprentice uh, diesel fitter, and uh, then after that I was a, a tyre fitter for a short amount of time down in Brisbane. Um, my apprenticeship in, was in Toowoomba, and uh, and since then, uh, for the last 31 years, I've I've been a farmer, uh, self-employed. So uh, so that's me. I'd like to know what you guys. Um, uh, what, what you do for work, Jeff? Oh, sorry, Sal. My wife, Sal. <laughs> I'm um, partner to Rob, and I do administration work um, and whatever else needs to happen around the farm. Mm -hmm. I'm Jeff, and I work for Australia Post. Yeah. 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 Ruth. I work casually for Thursdays, which is a funeral directors in Dolphin. Yep. And in Dolphin. In Dolphin. Uh, Rick, Marianne? Yeah, Rick and I are retired and I'm a um, God created woman to be man's helper, so I'm Rick's help, helper. Yeah. And housework Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> mm. Just, um, I sorry, keep forgetting. Rob. Uh, Rob, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, so I work part time with the hospital as What sort of volunteer work would that look like? So to do with students and stuff, or, uh, or more to do uh, with um, more to do with like um, just helping out a lot of the teachers with a lot of the office work that they have there. So in the hospitality department, uh, since high school, I guess my 
Good. Uh, Christine. Um, I work as an administrator in a primary school, state school, mm-hmm. at Drayton State School. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a job at the library. Brian has a job at the library. Cool. Okay, so um, <clears throat> my next question is, thinking back, when you were a kid, what did you dream of being when you grew up? And I want to know, is what you're doing now what you dreamed of? Is there anybody that actually is doing what they wanted to, what they thought that they would do as a kid? Mm-hmm. No? I, think I had written in one of my Sunday school books that when I grew up, I wanted to get married and have children, and I did. So I feel like I've achieved my goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was all I wanted to do. Nice. Yeah. I was the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was a registered nurse, and then uh, had kids, and didn't go back to work. Fell into working in schools. But nursing was what you wanted to do when you were Well, from... I really didn't know what I wanted to do as yeah. a. Actually, well, I told a lie. I went and studied teaching for a year, and I decided teaching was not what I wanted to do, and so I went to nursing. Gotcha. Yes. And I'm not doing that, so. Okay. No. Oh, I'm still growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah. I think nice. What you want to do is what God wants you to do, and that can be anything, I guess. Mm. Mm. Definitely, definitely. I just asked those questions just to put a bit of background thought into your, into your mind. I think... Um, Let's just pray for a moment. Huh? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you um, for today. I want to thank you for what we've heard from Tabiti earlier in the sessions and, uh, and the way that he is proclaiming the message of grace uh, to us and how it's sinking into our hearts, and I give you thanks for that. And Father, I just pray that um, our time together here today um, would be fruitful in your word and that your word would penetrate our hearts and especially that part of our lives that we call work. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, yeah, here's a, I, I, I want to give you just a little bit of background about how I see, how I kind of see work. And, um, I mean, you know, here's a fun fact, or maybe it's a terribly depressing one, but, you know, you know that we probably spend somewhere between a third and a half of our waking hours at work. And so work, uh, as I see, is a, is a terribly big part of our lives and perhaps uh, a part that we struggle with, perhaps in, in terms of our Christian walk. As how, do we fit, how does work fit in our, in our Christian walk? And I, I do think that there is, uh, we as Christians um, struggle to make a connection between sometimes uh, the scriptures and work, between the pulpit, what we hear on Sunday, and work, um, and between worship and work. And um, I think sometimes what we hear from, let's say, the pulpit, um, we kind of attribute to everything else except for work. Um, and, and, you know, so that's kind of back to our leisure time. It's, it's the time we might have off on Sunday. It's the time after work. It's the time we feel like we should be doing stuff for God, but it's not part of our work. And I feel that, some, that, that, that this actually, when we get into that, um, I think that our life 
will struggle for relevance actually and because it's such a huge part of our life that becomes irrelevant as Christians. Um, and um, as Tabidi shared this morning, I really liked what he said um, and I think it's part of us overcoming the, this problem is to understand a little better of who God is. So, sorry for my voice too, if you can't hear, just move in a bit or whatever. Um, I think we need to understand better who God is and to be really, to me this morning, gave me such a bigger picture of God. It was, it was sometimes we kind of have him in this box and he just got him out of the box and, and he glorified him. He made him as large as life, uh, which, is, which is wonderful. Um, and so the, that's something that we need to do. The other thing that we need to remember is what he's done for us, uh, what, what God's done for us, which is primarily his work of redemption and Jesus' death on the cross. And uh, if, you, if you're forgetting these points, just ask Sally to write one, two, three, four on the, on the board up there. And uh, so what has he done? Um, or, or you can ask, you know, ask him in question form, who is God? Uh, what has he done? And then the third question then is, who are we? What's our, what's our identity in relation to that? And obviously, we're children of God. And so how should we respond is something that comes out of our, our, our identity. And I think that how we respond in the workplace is something that comes out of our identity in Christ. Um, rather than, often what we do is we look at those the other way around. We see a problem and we go, how are we going to respond to this problem? And, and, and we think about it on a worldly level or from our experience rather than in terms of, well, who, who is God? what has he done and who are we um, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about that <coughs> um, later on but I actually think that that's a, a handy little uh, tool or, or a thought process for handling any problem in, in life actually um, and so who is God in terms of work and, I, and, and I've, I thought well God's not actually a, a passive God but he's an active God um, he's a worker actually and uh, he's created us for work <clears throat> and um, and I think that as Christians work we're not just working but we're worshipping the one God, true God who made us to do good work and I want to today draw this connection between what we might call the good works that come from faith and actually link that to the work that we do in the workplace Genesis 1.1 1, 1, uh, says that in the beginning God created and we know he created the heavens and the earth. He created everything out of nothing. So at the very beginning, God was working. And on the seventh day he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done, uh, but God's still working. In John 5.17, um, Jesus says, My father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. So God and Jesus are always at work, even on the Sabbath, which is pretty cool because if we went to church and God wasn't working, that might seem a bit futile. <laughs> um, so God is not a God who's resting, but a God who also works. He's always at work. And that makes me think, well, what sort of work does God do? Um, and, and I thought of this in terms of um, 
occupations and vocations. Actually, God is a is a biologist. Um, he's a, he's a scientist. Um, he's a shepherd. Uh, he, he's an agronomist. He's a farmer. He's the master gardener. Um, he's actually an artist, and he draws his majesty into his creation. Um, he has drafted legislation giving us rules to live by. Um, he's a solicitor. He's a judge. Um, he's also um, an electrician. He made light. Um, Genesis 1.3 says, let there be light, and there was light. And what else does he do? He answers our prayers. <clears throat> God's in the business of, of redeeming us to himself. He protects us, comes from Psalm 3. He sustains us. He answers us when we cry out to him. He blesses us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, as Tabidi said today, he holds all things together. He gives us peace. does quite a lot, actually. Um, and so, by the mere fact that God participates in, in all forms of work gives tremendous dignity to all forms of work. And so if we are made in the image and likeness of God, then we're also designed to work and to, and to find fulfilment in that work. And I think we can tell from the scriptures that God is very pleased with his work. He loves it. And he's designed us to love our work as well. Um, Ecclesiastes um, 3.13 says that, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil... This is the gift of God. So um, the satisfaction that we find in work is actually a gift from God. Um, before, before the fall, um, before sin entered in the, the world, um, God gave us the job and probably the mandate, really, to rule over his creation. And um, in Genesis 1.27, it says, Fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves around on the ground. And Genesis 2.15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. So God's primary instruction to mankind, which has never been revoked, is to work his creation, like, which actually means cultivate it, and take, take care of it, look after it. And you can tell that it was meant to be fun. It was meant to be an enjoyable thing. So um, I believe that God primarily is a creator. Now salvation in one sense is a secondary matter. It's a, it's a matter that God thought about and planned even before he began creating. But salvation is in order that we might find our place and take up our vocation again within God's creation. So when Jesus came, through his work of redemption, he renews us and he renews our place within God's creation. Salvation renews our vocation. And of course with salvation comes the second mandate, go and proclaim the good news of the gospel. That is of Christ's redemption. Jesus died for our sins. So, um, firstly, um, 
what is work. I've got a little definition here um, that I think might be helpful. Uh, for, for a Christian, um, <clears throat> work is the cultivating of raw materials of a particular domain or area for the flourishing of others. I'll repeat that if you like. Uh, so Christian work is the cultivating of the raw materials of a particular domain for the flourishing of others. So Adam was commanded to cultivate the garden, to work it, to water it, so that life could flourish. Um, a cabinet maker might take the raw materials of, of wood and glue and he might build a kitchen and that might be then sold to someone so that their life can flourish. A musician might take the raw materials of sound, organise them and produce beautiful music for worship and recreation. And you can think of your own vocations. Um, you, you basically, you have these raw materials, you put, you put in this environment to, to make the life of others flourish. Um, the stay-at-home mum takes the raw materials of children in the home and makes life flourish for them. So, um, I guess, you know, surprisingly, not surprisingly, for the Christian work's not all about us because Jesus came not to be served but to serve. Um, the second um, aspect of work is that it contains this master-servant relationship uh, to the living God. And uh, Genesis 2.15, we read it again, and we realise the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God puts his servants where he wants him, them to be. So we have this aspect of God putting Adam in the garden to do this particular job. And I guess... Um, you know, as an employer, uh, an employer might um, have this work environment that um, gives you the materials to, to, to use and put in that environment. Um, so the master's responsibility is to give the resources and the environment for the servant to attend to the work. And the, and the servant's role is simply to be faithful to the work that the master has given Adam just had to be faithful to what God had assigned him to, and work within that assignment. Adam's problem, however, was that he wanted to be the boss. Um, at the core, I believe, of the fall of man is the issue that man wanted to be God. <clears throat> um, and, and if we read Genesis 3.3, 3, um, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And so I think the core of all human sinfulness is, is that we actually don't, Want to be, we don't want to serve, we actually want to be God. We actually want to be the, the one that receives serving. I want to be the master. And I'm sure in workplaces that you've been, you've seen this at work where 
where we struggle with the authority that's, that's over us. We want to be the boss. We're not happy. Um, and, if, and, if, and if I'm the boss, then I'm actually not, as Tabidi showed in Colossians 1.23, the one that's continuing in my faith. If I'm the boss, I'm not the one that's being faithful. I'm the one that's actually not, not showing faith. Um, I'm sure that um, there's been a lot of people that have, that have said to me, it must be so good to be self-employed. You know, you, you'd be your own boss. How many times have we heard that? You'd be your own boss. <clears throat> um... There's another aspect about work that's been complicated by the fall, and that is work's actually hard. Um, and God, because God cursed the ground, he put a curse, he said, by the sweat of your brow you'll eat your food until you return to the ground. And so because of the sinfulness of man, what used to be the joy of living has actually become painful toil, and I think every vocation has been affected by the fall. But what I want to say is that through the cross, and only through the cross, only looking at, number two, what God has done for us, can we see our vocation as God intended it, whatever that vocation might be. So through the cross, salvation renews us, including our vocation. And so, once again, as Tabidi said, our citizenship is no longer in this world, but it's of the next. And as I go to work each day with this new perspective on who I am, what my identity is, my whole attitude changes because I become kingdom-focused and not earthly-focused. And I think without the cross, those two aspects of the flourishing of others and this master-servant relationship actually is impossible. Like I really think that that's an impossible without, without, the, without Christ and without us knowing we're fully forgiven in him, can we actually um, have a heart attitude that will want others to flourish? Yeah. <clears throat> um, the other thing about the cross is that through the cross all work is deeply valuable. Um, I want to go out on a limb and I want to say that I think work actually is the primary way that we glorify God. We spend so much of our day at work and as I think back on my work life I think yeah that, demonstra- that was my worship actually that showed God how much he was worth to me is how I worked. <clears throat> um, a guy once said um, to a bloke who was picking oranges, he said, you know, I reckon you, you worship God as you pick oranges. And he said, yeah, he said, I do. I sing a little song of worship and stuff. And he goes, no, no, no. Now you misunderstand. As you pick the orange off the tree, that's an act of worship. There's something about what you do in your workplace, as you do it in faith, as a Christian, is an act of worship. Can you get that? 
it's it's a really important um, thing to get. If we don't get that, we have to arrive at the conclusion that the only valid work is full-time ministry. If we don't get that our work is worship to God, then really the only valid work is, is full-time ministry. And we know that's actually not right. Jesus worked for probably half of his life. Uh, Apostle Paul worked even while he wrote. Uh, he, he was a tent maker. <clears throat> so um, the distinction between work and our church um, should be actually is really stupid because we are the church as we work. So my point is all our life's connected, our work life, our church life and our social life. It's all Christian life. Um, so what I want to ask is uh, why are you here? Why, um, what are some problems in work that you see? In maybe your work, work in general? Different, you think, oh, yeah, you know, 
I was a really good Christian in that situation, but in this situation, and yeah, so um, it is hard, but you know, I, I think that all those things that you're saying is true. You know, I am worshiping God by the way I'm responding in the situation, and even the way I'm thinking, um, yeah, is all about because He's changing me. So changes in the workplace, um, problems with different authorities. Yep. Yep. Mm. Cool. Uh, other other problems in the workplace. I'd say one of the problems that I've encountered in the workplace that um, that I've well and truly worked past now, but a big issue is that. Um, lots of non-Christian people, the majority of non-Christian people, and therefore, uh, perhaps in my younger day, I was much more enthusiastic about, like, uh, so you mentioned before about, say, you know, um, the pulpit and work, or, you know, our worship and work, and I think that there's a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a line to go, we, we do all these things, like, um, we work, we're exhorted to work ethically, and we're exhorted to show grace to people, which, you know. There's so much of our Christian faith that we can, but there is also a spot where we go. We're actually employed by somebody, a manager, or whoever we're whoever we're um, faithful to in our service of work. Um, therefore, it's not just like an open slather to be able to be, you know, like uh, you know, utilizing massive amounts of time mm. in kind of. Um, say uh, even Bible bashing so people do that you know I've yeah. done that like we have, we've been so enthusiastic and go hang on I'm actually there for a, a purpose for something else you know I mean, yeah. you can't just like call the floor together and say yeah. hey yeah you guys you know so yeah. there's a kind of way yeah. you're treating out of there's a way that you can do that much better yeah. and so but it's a common thing because it's a it's a it's a hard one as a Christian working in and then there are even some workplaces where you you know if you're a teacher you can't tell the kids about God yeah you know there's there's restrictions there restrictions in, in terms of what you can even say not just the time that you have to honor your boss with and not steal time from him yeah. but but there's also restrictions as well. Yeah. Any, any others? <clears throat> oh, one more question. Um, who believes they're in the right vocation, where God wants them to be? Awesome, Ruth. <laughs> Sal. Answer to that, but I want to tell you my story. I want to tell you my story. Um, when I was, um, uh, I, I, I did a diesel fitting trade. Um, I, 
then um, was um, offered an opportunity to go on, on the land and I, I took it and I thought, yep, that's cool. And after a few years, um, there's some pretty ordinary drought as well back in the, in the early 90s. And, uh, but not that the drought was something to make me question, but I sort of thought, God, am I in the right place? I'm in, I'm in Durrambandy. The, the church is old people, just a few. There's, there's really little interest in God in this community. I, you should have put an evangelist here. <laughs> I'm not an evangelist. What am I really in the right vocation? Am I supposed to be a missionary in China? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Ever thought of that? Yeah. And um, and I struggled and I struggled and. I don't know how long I struggled with that question and called out to God and I felt one day God speak to me as clear as day, Rob, I want you to be a Christian farmer. And it was like, you just can't understand the relief that I had at that point in time to go, Phew, oh, so I'm, I'm actually not been a sinful person by working where I'm currently working. That's actually okay. And you also probably need to understand how ironic it was that God said I want you to be what you already are (laughs) where you already are and I only thought of that many years later at the time it was like oh thanks God I'm in the right spot you know like I'm still in the right spot but I've learnt later that it actually the word Christian was the important part that that you're, you're abiding in me and you're at work, that's cool too. Um, and it wasn't just necessarily that's where you want to be. And I think for sometimes, and uh, Lauren, I know there's like a lot of young people that, that we, we and, and, and when we were young, we were young ones, believe it or not, but we struggled with the same thing. We struggled with the same question. Is, am, is that, am I supposed to be there? Is, is my life going to be all terrible because I've chosen the wrong thing or not? And um, uh, so it was a big relief to me, to know that God said, no, I just want you to be. I just want you to be a Christian in the workplace. That's what I believe he was telling me. And so um, that, that, that raised a whole heap of questions and kind of what Jeff was alluding to before is that, that for me that would say, well, how would Jesus farm? Uh, and it's like, so that raised a whole heap of questions. He probably wouldn't need to be dishonest about stuff because... You know, he's actually a provider. Who's God? He's our provider. We don't need to steal. We don't need to... We actually can declare our seed royalties or our insurance claims or whatever it is. It's kind of like, oh, actually, I, I could do that. Like, I don't have to worry now that am I actually even going to survive as a farmer because that's just what he wants me to do. If I don't survive, well, then that's okay too. Um, and then not to mention the drought that we were going through at the time. It was sort of like, God goes, I want you to be a farmer. I go, okay, cool. Let's, let's, farm, and, let's farm until she's all gone or let's farm until something happens. Um, so I think what's your, God, what's your will for my life is sometimes the wrong question um, because you know, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says that God's will is our sanctification. God's will is that we would grow in him. That's his will for us. He doesn't necessarily say, my will is that you must be that fingernail, that part of the body. I just want you to grow in your life.
your case, Rob, you got to the point where you surrendered to him and said, what do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. So it was no longer you being God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying, ask him. And that's really what he wants from all of us. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, Greg. Um, And... And and I still didn't fully understand that at that point. I really don't. I can only understand it looking back. But it was it was a major thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, it it also meant that I didn't have to over spiritualise everything. It did, it also meant that I didn't have to kind of what we were talking about Jeff before about making every moment of of gospel penetration into someone else. Do you know what I mean? I could just. I could just relax. I could just relax and do my job as a Christian existing in the world. And added to that, God taught me that it's actually he is in charge of building his church. And, and if I stuff up, he's still going to build his church despite my stuff ups. And sometimes he's going to build his church through my stuff ups. And so I just can't tell you how freeing that was to know that. It was really a freeing thing. A pivotal thing um, uh, for me came about um, seven years ago. Um, we, we, Sal and I went on a cruise and, um, and we stopped off on this little island um, in, the, in, the, in the South Pacific and uh, it, was, it was about 350 acres, self, fully self-contained, little island, no electricity. That they just It was a pretty primitive existence. But, but they kind of relied on the cruise ship that came and they'd, they'd show their turtles and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And we kind of noticed that something really strange was going on, that there was Hillsong music playing from the bar that they were selling us drinks out of. And that got my curiosity going, so I went over there and I realised that there was ice keeping the drinks cool. And I'm like, so, mate, where do you get this ice from? <laughs> you don't power on the island. And he goes, from your boat. <laughs> OK, OK, we'll get this now, right? We've been had, that's OK. Um, and so we saw that, anyway, this, this um, community was, was predominantly a Christian community and uh, the, the missionaries had done a really good job. Uh, they lived on a, on a most beautiful little island and, and probably, you know, they probably had to paddle about 400 metres across to get to the mainland and there was a, like a school there um, for the kids and, and work for the men. Um, and really all they needed was enough to buy clothes. They were self, fully self-contained with food, um, with you know pigs and little crops and turtles and, and, what, and fish and stuff, that kind of thing. Um, and so it was amazing. So I went for a walk and we walked around the, <coughs> the far side of the island and uh, still makes me emotional. I met this old. We met this old guy who wanted to show us his dugout canoe. And and he, he come and because first it's like you know, g'day, g'day, how you going? Hey, and you can, you can tell when someone wants some more of a conversation. So we will open, sit down. He wanted to show us all about this dugout canoe. And and by this time, I'm like done talking about canoes. I'm like, mate, I want to know, are you a Christian? This is what I want to know. This is what I'm here to find out. And he sort of, he goes, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. I go, no, no, no. Do you believe in Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour? I, I, I need more than just a, you know, I need to know what, tell me about your Christianity. And, and with that question, he looked at me. <coughs> and, and his face came alive. 
He called me his brother. It was just it was an amazing experience. And he said, see there all these little kids running up and down the beach. He said, every one of them knows Jesus. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And so we had this picture of these people in this magnificent island, as poor as church mice, looking at the boat going, wow, look at those riches, but having the riches of Christ. And, and as I hopped on that boat that day and sailed away, here is where the poor people are not over there and so it was like yeah Rob you go home you go home that's where the, that's where the poor people are they're driving around in $100,000 motor cars that's where they are <coughs> um, in life God gives us you know, the spiritual markers, there's stuff like that that happens along the, right, along the way. And I believe that if we kind of look back a little bit and line them up, you'll see a dead straight line. You'll see where he's heading you. Um, sometimes we don't, you know, see it as making sense, but, but we do. Um, and so what, what I learned, what I've learned is that my, my mission is now in my workplace. I have a farm at Dirrambandy that you would not think was a mission field, but the fuel man comes every month or couple of weeks. Um, sometimes he's up for a chat. Um, the agronomist comes every time it rains. Um, he hasn't been most lately. Um, <laughs> all these people come and go. I, I, have, I have a feedlot, so I've got a couple of guys, a few guys that work for me. Um, one of them's not a Christian, a couple are. Um, but back then, I actually didn't have any Christians working for me, and that was cool too. But um, it it um, it made me realise that all these poor people, if I can put it in inverted commas, people that need the gospel, are coming into my workplace. They're coming to me at Dirrambandi. Like, can you imagine that? You don't. I didn't have to go to them. They were coming to me all the time, and it was quite amazing. <coughs> So people come into my workplace. <clears throat> we develop a relationship. Now, sometimes that relationship is, is you know, times of constraint, right? Uh, at, at times, you know, like, like the fuel man's actually getting paid by the hour. I can't just say, mate, just sit here and talk to me for an hour. But sometimes he does spend an extra five minutes and want to have a bit of a chat. That's cool. But um, a little... Um, a conversation skill that, that I think that I need to learn more is is building on the conversation that you've had last time. So um, our pastor Derek, who you may or may not have met, um, once went through a checkout with a group of other guys, and he was there for a couple of minutes, and then they went across the road to the pub and sat down. He said, oh, "I was really sad that that girl in the checkout." Um, her boyfriend's just dumped her and something else and something else and the other blokes looked at him and go, mate, we were there for 30 seconds. How could you possibly have found that out? And he goes, well, I've actually got a relationship with that girl because every time I go through the checkout, I, I ask her a question. And the next time I go through, based on what she said that time, well, then we have another question. So it's kind of like this little conversation we have, but it's a week apart. 
And so they, they developed this relationship where she got to the point where it was like in 30 seconds she felt comfortable enough to do the download, hey, my life's a mess. <coughs> so people come into our, into our workplace and we actually can develop, can develop a relationship with them without stop on the clock, <laughs> without, you know what I mean? We actually can do it if we think about it. <clears throat> and hopefully that gives us the opportunity to share the gospel. <clears throat> um, the, other, the other thing that I want to describe from my experience is that um, it's actually God who does all this work and it's not us. Um, tell you about Glenn. Um, I've talked for a long time, that's ridiculous. Um, Glenn uh, uh, came to to, um, give, to put his kids in day camp, right? This is a church activity and uh, he, was, he was a mate of another family and we kind of assumed Glenn and Sharon, young family, stayed with Shane and Sarah who are Christians, they homeschool these kids, those guys homeschool the kids. We just made this assumption, they're Christians, they've got to be right. But as it turned out, Glenn <clears throat> has got, um, got or had terminal cancer and he's travelling around Australia. This is his last, oh, I need to de-stress, I need no family time. I mean, I mean, need no work left, I just want family time. I'm going to try and cure this cancer with, with a lack of stress. And, uh, and, and he lobs up. Uh, and, uh, and in conversation, he goes, oh yeah, Rob, you've got to... You got a feedlot. I've, I actually used to be in the meat industry, and uh, had a, had this um, meatworks, and had a whole heap of people working for me. And da, da, da. can I come and see your feedlot? And I go, yeah, yeah, of course you can. I said, listen, on Sunday when we go to church, I'll give you some directions, and you can come out either Sunday afternoon or through the week or whatever. Because he's, you know, he said, you know, if we can find some work or whatever, we might stick around for a little bit. Yeah, cool, right. Yeah, what I didn't know, Glenn had been to church in his life. He had no intention of going to church, but he came to church because he wanted to go and see the feedlot. And he came and saw the feedlot. He met <clears throat> Nathan and Kim. He met lots of other people during the week from church. And um, and when he came back to church the next Sunday, um, he actually. As he walked into church, I'm going to re- kind of rewind him. I'm, I'm tell- As he walked into church, I, I asked him, I said, when did you become a Christian, Glenn? I said, was it in church camp? No, 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 it was right back. He said, that second week. He said, I walked into church and he said, I just felt like I was home. I was like, wow. That blew my mind. That was incredible to think that, yeah, he'd heard a gospel sermon, only one. He'd had some gospel conversations with people who thought he was a Christian. <laughs> and then he comes to church and God just rescues him. And and that's the Spirit of God is amazing. And I've seen God do so much. So then I thought, oh, we've got to keep this couple around. I didn't even know he was a, you know, 
they're saying he wasn't a Christian, but he is a Christian. I know he is, but you know, and we were sort of, and I thought, no, I can give him a job, but I was a bit embarrassed. It was only for do some stick picking, right? So, like Glenn, it's not, you know, maybe it's handy to de-stress. I don't know, but if you want a job, you can give it. You I can give you a job for a few weeks. So he came down and he parked his caravan and family at home, and and he worked for a couple of weeks with this other guy. And after two weeks, his wife comes up to me and gives him this big hug and goes, "Thank you so much for giving us." A job, and I'm like, seriously, it's like that's the bottom of the barrel. That is the bottom of the barrel. But it, but God was at, at work, and and out of that came, um, hey mate, you want to sit down and read the Bible together? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. No, wait a minute, I better go and ask my wife. Mm-hmm. Now that that was code for, I think I've jumped in a bit too deep on it <laughs> together. Sit and think about it, and and. Anyway, the long and the short of, of it is that they did become Christians. They've gone back to um, Perth, where they live. Um, God's healed him of his cancer, or at least he- held it at bay. He's actually back at work now. Um, how far long ago was that? So that was 2016 mm-hmm. when he worked so, for me. So and, and God's done amazing things. He's, th- that couple are the only Christian couple in the whole family. Brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, the whole lot. And so there was just this little participation from me saying, hey, would you like a job? And, and you know, just, just because God's plan, just because God's in it. And I've been probably um, 15 years at home seeing no activity of God at none whatsoever but happily knowing I'm a Christian farmer and that's okay and then as God's given me some spiritual eyes to see what he's doing then I've actually become to recognise well if as Tabidi said that the natural state of man is an enemy of God that actually means something. That actually means they're going to do some crazy stuff. That actually means the crazy stuff that that person's doing at work for you, to you, is because they've got a fight going on in themselves between them and God. And so you can make so much sense out of it then and, and you can love them because you just go, oh man, you, you think in your head, you need Jesus. If ever that comes up, I'm going to explain that to you because you need that peace the world can't give. Any questions? There's a bit of time we got left. Um, I have the devil's a liar, right? He's the father of lies, and he's told us a whole heap of lies about our vocation, about our work. Uh, and you might, yeah. Uh, one of them, I think, is my my occupation gives me identity and status. And if you believe this lie, you'll never be happy with your current job. You'll always be looking to climb higher up the ladder of success, and you'll be an overworker. So, um, we have someone here who works in the post office. You're a postal worker. That is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. You're a Christian. 
who happened to work in the post office. And, and, and if our identity is in Christ, we can go to work with that freedom to do the good works that we're created for. Ephesians 2.10 says that God's prepared in advance good works for us to do. And I believe that is part of the eight to five work we do every day. That is not just the super spiritual stuff that we think about. It's actually part of picking the orange. It's actually part of putting the letter in the, in the letterbox. It's actually part of just working as a Christian. <laughs> Lie number two. <clears throat> the purpose of work is so we can afford to go on holidays. <laughs> People who believe this tend to be the opposite. They tend to be underworkers, tend to be lazy, always looking to stop work. Um, how many times have you heard it said, if I won the lotto, I wouldn't be working here? Um, and sure, God intends a work-rest balance. And, and he gave us the Sabbath as a gift. That's actually his gift to us for rest. Um, when our work's just a method of earning money or a method of earning enough to rest, I think we've swallowed that lie. Um, number three, uh, the purpose of work is to develop a nest egg for retirement. Um, I haven't done a theology on retirement, but so far I can't find it in the scriptures. <laughs> we might, our work might change. I'm sure from my mum, work's changed over the years. Um, yeah, I've I got an old, uh, I know an old guy who's a retired pastor who's kind of not retired, and he says, I'll preach the gospel to anyone that's going to listen. <laughs> and he's, he just keeps going and going. Um, number four, your problems will go away if you bury yourself in your work. Now, we know all know that's rubbish, but we often try. Uh, number five, uh, work makes me self-sufficient. So I can do it. Um, I can provide. I can be the... And, and the self-sufficiency is actually the opposite of faith. <clears throat> and so self-sufficiency is the opposite of the thing that pleases God. Faith pleases God. Um, and yeah, there's heaps more. The more leisure time I have, the more freedom I have. That's a big whopper. Um, uh, it's okay to stay idle. And the Bible talks a lot about laziness. Um, the other one is to hate work. That's normal. Everyone hates work, right? What a lie. Uh, stealing is acceptable. Time or little bits from the boss or whatever. Get what you can. Uh, stingy, stinginess is acceptable. Probably not such a quite a work-related thing, but from me as a... Um, I, I used to think it was a good thing, being a good steward of God's resources. And... Uh, and I realised he's actually a lavish God. And he's lav he lavishes his grace on us. Like, it's, <laughs> there's no dollar for dollar there. There's no fair trade with his grace. It's so lavish. Um, Philip Yancey said in his book um, that uh, what's so amazing about grace, um, he said the, these Christians have received so much grace but often de demonstrate so little of it. That was, a, that, was a lot. that was something that really hit me hard. <clears throat> um, 
So, how can our work reflect God's grace? I'll leave, I'll leave you with a few questions. How can our work reflect God's grace? If, if the gospel was to fully penetrate me, how would that speak into my work environment? <clears throat> you got to have a you have to have a relationship with people before like to to actually um, be able to to develop a a um, an environment where you can actually share share the gospel or you know talk to them. It's, it's like Derek, Derek having that, right. that little snippet of one-on-one. So there's something about you loving that other person unconditionally, not needing anything in return, that's going to develop that relationship, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, uh, a couple of We've heard the lies. Now, a few truths about work. It's God-given. He's prepared our work or our works in advance for us to do. Work and works are intertwined. Our, our vocation is to be part of the good works that come from faith. Um, we are God's handiwork, Ephesians 2.10 says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. <clears throat> Three, as Sal said, our vocation's about loving God and loving others. And hopefully that will allow us to freely love others in a way that demonstrates the grace of God, even in, in those situations where we can't actually even say it, but it's just going to be, we're just going to go the extra mile. Um, um, and, yeah, sharing the gospel with others it not only fulfills God's purposes, it actually fulfills us because we're actually abiding in God. It's actually a participation in the work of God. It's actually um, something that fills us. It's a bit like Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the evening in the garden. And as we even work, we walk with God. Uh, and that relationship is fulfilling. So I want to leave you this afternoon with a picture of a Christian worker. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Questions? I think we should pray in a sec. Um, any questions or prayer points? What if you're working for a dishonest boss and you want you to do the wrong thing? How do you handle it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. He's going to ask you to lie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some, I think, thinking about um, how are you actually going to explain to this boss that you live by the grace of God, not by the rules, right? not by law? Because the moment I say, 
I can't do that because I'm a Christian. That's told him a whole heap of stuff about law, but it's told him nothing about grace. I guess I've been in a, in a situation twice where I've had to say, um, look, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable doing that. And I have to say, in both situations, obviously God has been good. Um, you know, they said fine, and they either went and got someone else to do it, or, yeah. yeah. So, and I, there wasn't any sort of negative comeback that I've received from that. So I yeah. just have to thank God for, mm. yeah. But hey, one day, that, one day that might be that might be the cost that's of following right. Jesus. Exactly, right? and yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. Mm. You have to trust Him. Mm. Yeah. It's a very good question because this Christianity is fine until it impacts us, <laughs> until we might lose our job or we might yeah. whatever not be thought of highly by someone. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we give you thanks um, for your grace, your love, your mercy. Father, I just pray that you would give us a, a fresh view of, of work and, and how um, we might participate in your work in, as we work. And Father, I pray that, um, that you would give us a joy in our work that we would be excited to go to work to see what you're going to do for the day. And I pray, Lord, that um, that you would help us to understand what we hear from the scriptures and the pulpit and as we worship as part of our whole life, Lord, and not just part of our life. Uh, Lord, if we're struggling in, in different areas at work, Father, I pray that... Um, you would show us a breakthrough in those areas, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to us in those areas. In Jesus' name, amen.